But I want to speak today a simple, simple word in the next 20 minutes. It's called being anchored in the storm. Can you say that with me? Anchored in the storm. And um, Corona is this word that used to bring up word images in my mind of a Mexican man with a straw hat, some leaves in his hair, I don't know, um, a Corona bear in his hand walking on the beach. But now it's fear. Now it's anxiety. Now it's a storm to our world. It's a health storm to many. And our thoughts and prayers are with those who are struggling with their health around the world. It's a socioeconomic storm. And our thoughts and prayers, again, are with those who are fighting for businesses, fighting to pay salaries at the end of the month, fighting to trust God in this moment and not listen to the voices shouting at them. It's also an emotional storm. It's a storm that wants to unsettle hearts and unsettle minds and unsettle our thoughts at these times. And it's time like never before to be anchored. And then part of it is there's just a whole bunch of things going on in our world. I had a corona moment the other day. Has anyone had a corona moment? Just funny things that wouldn't happen in the world normally, but because the coronavirus is here and things are different, it's a corona moment. I went to the hospital the other day. And I don't know if you've been to a hospital lately, I went to visit my friend Mike, who was in trouble and in ICU. And as you enter the boom gates, they make you sign, you haven't been sick in two weeks, they make you sign, you haven't been overseas in the last two weeks, whole bunch of checks. As you walk into the hospital doors, again signing, again a scan, a check, a question, and then you get to ICU and it's just a whole nother level, you go inside. And I didn't realize that my friend had a dietitian with them, so I had to wait for 20 minutes. But something started to irritate my throat. Something that on a normal day wouldn't be a problem. You just clear your throat. But you're in ICU. People have masks. People are sick. You don't want to be clearing your throat in ICU. So I started to internally cough. You ever done that? Try to do it now. Just a, it's more of a choke than a cough. It's uncomfortable. As a piece of Dorito chips was stuck in my throat. I blame the Doritos. And I started to passionately cough, and I realized I've got to get out of here as I'm in ICU and people are starting to stare at me weirdly. I ran out of ICU, got into the passage, found the bathroom, and got that Dorito out of place, had some water, and then realized I had to re-enter to go see my friend. The stares, the looks, mm, a corona moment. But in these moments and in these times of uncertainty and the word unprecedented, I haven't heard it said so many times in a week. But it's time to find our anchor. And this is what Hebrews 6 says in verse 19. We have this hope. Will you say that with me? We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. An anchor is something that holds something that otherwise would be unstable. It holds it stable. It holds us in place. And the word speaks clearly. It speaks to our moments in storms when we need anchors to hold us, not just the good days, but every day, that Jesus and our hope in Jesus becomes our anchor as he has placed us in the presence of God. He's taken us where we could never go. And in these moments, we need anchors. We need anchors because this is a storm. And um, I started looking at the Bible and studying all the storms in the Bible and I realized there's some amazing storms in the Bible. I'm not presenting in any way today that God sent the storm of the coronavirus, but I will say he'll use it if we will listen to him, if we'll trust him. The first storm I saw is in Exodus chapter 9 and it's part of the exodus of God's people and the big story that's happening is God is setting his people free. And he sends 10 plagues because Pharaoh's stubborn, stubborn of hearing. He sends 10 plagues and one of the plagues it's called a plague of hail. 
And it goes like this in Exodus chapter 9. When Moses stretched out his staff towards the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hail on the ground of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. It was the worst storm they'd ever experienced. And in some ways, this is a storm we haven't experienced yet. And yet the agenda and the purpose of that storm in that time, at that moment, was to set God's people free. And I would believe that in this storm, God is still setting people free. And maybe you have chains that are holding to your past, holding you to slave masters of your past. I would ask you to call on the name of God as He will set His people free in these moments. Then there's another storm in the Jonah chapter 1. An incredible storm rises up as God's man is running from God. It says this, The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. It's a hectic scenario, and God's man is running from the purposes of God, and God uses a storm to get his man thrown overboard, to be swallowed up by a whale, to be spat up on the beach of Nineveh, so that 120,000 people in the great city of Nineveh could be saved. And I would say God would use storms to get men and women back on the mission that he has for them. And we are people who run at missions, but I want to say the number one mission in our lives is the mission that our glorious Father in heaven gives us. There's another storm in Mark chapter 4 that I love. And Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's saying, boys, I've got a big, big story for you, a big mission for you. And they say, okay, where is it, God? The crowds are here. Preach us, teach us, teach us how to preach. He says, no, get in that little boat. And he takes them in this little boat across a sea. And in the middle of the sea, this great storm rises up. And all fear and anxiety rises up in his men. And, he, and God proves to them his awesome power. He just speaks two words. Be still. And the waves die down. And the wind dies down. And peace comes. And they maybe go, well, God, maybe you came out here to show us your power. And he says, well, I did, but I got more for you. There's a bigger lesson here. And he keeps sailing across the sea. And on the other side of the sea, there's just one guy. A demoniac. He's been cutting himself. He, he's got multiple challenges. He's screaming out in pain. He's got blood everywhere. He stinks. His people have kicked him out of their community. He's, he's, he's one who no one wants around. And Jesus says, my guys, my disciples in this moment, I'm going to tell you that you need to go through storms. And on the other side of your storms, there'll be the one. And the one is always worth it. Because it's not what it costs. It's what it's worth. And God keeps speaking to us and showing us in His Word these amazing things in His Word. But I want to speak from a storm that I've never preached before. It's a storm in Acts 27. I want to read our scripture together. It'll come on your screen, but grab your Bible, grab your notepad, write it down. Acts chapter 27. And this ship with 276 men, one of them being Apostle Paul, is caught in a storm. This is how it plays out. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Corda, we were hardly able to make a lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they were run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. 
when neither sun nor stars appeared for so many days, for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. It's a desperate place. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them. See, it's time for God's men and women in the midst of storms to stand up. And he said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. And then it jumps ahead in verse 29. They give the strategy on how they got through. It says, fearing that some would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed all night. And I love the way the story ends. It ends with a ship running aground, but not one person be lost. It says in verse 43, in this way, everyone reached land safely. See, they weren't going in this direction, but a storm came, a storm with a name, a storm that shouted and changed the course of their lives, their stories in that moment. They gave up their five-year plans. They gave up their strategies. They, they started repenting and calling on God, but they didn't do the things that anchored them in that moment. And I want to speak to us as anchoring us in the storm and give you something of Paul's strategy in this moment. I got two points. The second one got one or two extra, but it's very simple today. Number one and point number one. You got your pencil ready? You got your pen ready? Again, wake up hubby if he's fallen asleep. Point number one, hold it together. Oh, Mark, that's a bit rough. You said it yourself, unprecedented times. No, I'm giving you the word of God. It's simple and there's a mandate. There's a call in these moments and storms to hold it together. It goes like this. So the men hoisted it aboard. They passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. And I would say every boat, every vessel, our lives and times like these are vessels floating upon a sea. That at times winds will rage and, and everything will happen. But I'm telling you in these moments we are called to hold it together. Those ships were made and this was a big ship. There were 276 people aboard. It was made with long planks of wood that were held together. But when storms came, that wood started to creak and the gaps started to show and they're at risk of all coming apart. So they would, what they would do is they would choose brave men who would dive into the deeper waters with a rope attached to them and they would swim the rope under the boat, swim the rope under the boat time and time again and they would take these ropes and they would brace the boat for the storm. We're called to do the same thing every day but especially in storms. And I want to tell you that diving into those waters takes courage. It's costly. There's a lot of unknown. It's inconvenient. It wasn't part of the plan. But there are moments and times where God allows situations to happen when we were reminded that it's time to hold it together. And this is how I would present, because I don't know about you, but I don't think in these times wealth is holding it together. I don't think pension funds are holding it together. I don't think governments can hold us together. Our emotions, how we're feeling in these moments, we are held together by one thing. And this is what Hebrews 1 says. The Son, Jesus, is the gleaming brightness of God's glory. He is the exact likeness of God's being. He uses His powerful Word to hold all things together. It's only the Word of God. 
It's only the words that come from Jesus. It's only his life. It's only the red letters in his word. It's the black letters. It's every word that he's spoken to your soul over the last 10, 20, 30, 50 years. He holds it together. Jesus in his own trials and temptations as he's fasted for 40 days and he's in the desert and the de enemy comes to, to challenge him to try and Jesus' response says, it's not by bread alone that man lives, but by every word that comes from the Father's mouth. There is the single-minded, devoted focus on the word of God, not just in the good times, but in the tough times too. I want to say at these times, we're called to be people, whether you're a husband, a wife, a family leader, a business leader, Someone influencing in government or parliament. I don't know what your role and station in life is. But now would you be a man who dives into deeper waters. A woman who dives off the safety of the ship, under the ship. Embraces men and women and businesses and life and families together by the word of God. That's my first point. The second point is simple. Lower the anchors. And yes, I said anchors. Because the story started like this. It says they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. You see... When ships lower anchors, they're not meant to be driven along. But when anchoring is done incorrectly and your anchor isn't strong enough, the, the chain or the rope isn't long enough, it's not placed in the right place, what happens is you start to go and be pulled along and the anchor begins to pull along and you're not anchored anymore. You might think you have an anchor in the water on the bottom of the sea, but you're not anchored. And they weren't anchored. So because they weren't anchored, fear began to rage even more. What's anchoring you right now? It's a good question to ask because a ship is nothing without an anchor because ships weren't made to just be in the harbors. Ships were made to sail the high seas and navigate the high waters and go on adventures. That's why they were designed. So are you. So you need to make sure that your anchors are strong. And then God's man is there. I want to tell you that Jesus in these moments isn't just holding back his life and saying, if we get through it. No, we are preaching a series through John chapter 10, 10. It's speaking of the life that we have in Jesus and there's a comma Life in abundance. We're trusting in these moments that as we anchor ourselves in Jesus, we would access the abundant life he has for us in these moments. And I love it. And it says this as something of a strategy that they had to anchor themselves. It says they were fearing being dashed on the rocks. Maybe right now you are fearing your business being dashed on the rocks, your family, your marriage. You've been under pressure for the last month and this might just be too much. Well, you've got to put down some anchors. It says this in verse 29, fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. We get a simple strategy. But Paul speaks just before this as he shows us something of the four anchors he puts down. I'm not trying to read too much in the Word. I just want to preach the Bible to you today and say, these are the anchors that God's man in a moment, a man who because he is on that boat, 275 else get saved. I want to tell you because you're in a business, that business can be saved. I want to tell you because you're in a marriage, that marriage can be saved. I want to tell you because you're in Cape Town, Cape Town will be saved if we will put down our anchors in Christ and pray. And this is what Paul does. First of, the first anchor he puts down, an anchor of identity. He puts it this way, last night, an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. See, it's not about the angel that came to him, and maybe no angel came to you, but whose are you? To whose do you belong? I love the royal priesthood, the statement that we are God's special possession in 1 Peter 2, and God speaks those words to our hearts to remind us that we aren't just God's people on earth. We are his possession. We are of value to him. In these moments, we've got to know this stuff. 
See, David, Psalm 23, the psalm that we love, he, he starts out this most amazing psalm with a simple statement, a declaration to his soul, a declaration to everyone around him, and a declaration to the heavenlies. And he speaks his word. He makes the statement, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes a statement to his soul in that moment that I have one shepherd. He's in control. What statements are you making in this moment? See, we sing these songs. You're good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. See, we sing these songs at church often. They become number one hits. Do we believe them? It's time to anchor ourselves in our identity in Christ. That he is a good father. And I am loved by him. And whatever happens, nothing can take me from his hands. Nothing. The second anchor Paul puts down is anchored in purpose. And he puts it this way. Do not be afraid, the angel said to him, Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar and God graciously has given you the lives of all who sail with you. It's this incredible scenario. There's fear and there's panic going on the ship and people are running and no one's thinking my five-year plan was or my share price is what. No one's thinking about that stuff. They're just saying, I want to live. And Paul comes across and he anchors them in his purpose. He says, hey, 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 God came to me last night. Because he's good and because I am his, he told me I will stand before Caesar. I have a purpose that is greater than the storm. And because I have a purpose and you are with me in this ship, we will make it through and every single person will be saved. He anchors himself in the purpose of God. And I want to tell you today, your purpose is greater than the storm that is raging. And if you will believe it, if you'll take a hold of it, right? The, take the promises that you have stashed away of what God has said in your life and you'll navigate. Fix your eyes not on the storm. Not fix your eyes on the one that is blowing. What about the one who speaks to the winds and the waves and says, be still? In these moments, it's important that we focus on where we are going rather than where we have been. And Jesus, again, is our perfect example. Hebrews 12 verse 2. He, he, he is facing the challenge and it, re, it reminds us of the story as he's walking towards the cross. And it presents Jesus this way. It says, so for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said he knew there was pain coming. He knew it would cost him everything. But for the joy set before him. What's the joy set before him? Your salvation, my salvation, our life, our hope in moments like this. For that joy, it became all worth it. He was anchored in his purpose. Two more points. He was anchored in courage, Paul says. So he becomes a man of courage in verse 25. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. And in these weeks, there's been moments where there's not a person on this earth whose courage has come under attack at times. I speak to business leaders at this time. Find courage to stand on the promises of God. Find courage in who Jesus is, not in economics or policies or even 1% drops in, in interest rates. Find courage in who Jesus is. And Paul finds courage in the middle of the storm. It's an amazing thing. And he doesn't just go from a man with no courage. He goes to a man who takes everyone and pulls them and calls them into courage. In these moments, we need courage to get up every day, to work hard from home. If you're working from home and your boss has given that privilege to you, work hard. It takes courage in these moments to lead our family. It takes courage to go on forgiveness journeys and, and pain journeys. It takes courage to, to come alongside. It takes courage to struggle in these moments through these times. But I want to tell you, courage is not the absence of fear. 
Courage is how we move forward in spite of that very same fear. And the last anchor Paul tells us to put down is anchored in faith. He says, for I have faith in God. That will happen just as he told me. Imagine there's chaos in the ship. People are wanting to jump overboard. Other guys are trying to get the life vessel and duck in and get out of there. The guy's saying, can I make it? Am I a good swimmer? Mm, not so good. They're navigating all these things. They're fighting over all sorts of rescue craft. And, and Paul just says, hey guys, stop. I have faith. I have faith in God. It's a faith moment. I've been intrigued by responses of churches at the time that to close a meeting means there's no faith. No faith. My faith is not in a meeting. My faith is in a glorious God who is everywhere, above everything, in control of everything all the time, including viruses, nations, governments, economies in these moments. So there's so many other things we could have called people to in faith. We could have called the anchor of worship, the anchor of community, the anchor of prayer, the anchor of His grace, the anchor of His word. But I just looked at the story. I saw it in that storm. A God-man stood up. And because a God-man stood up, 275 fearful sailors who were throwing their livelihood overboard, who were throwing their food overboard, who were about to throw each other overboard, found courage, found a shore. And the ship might have been damaged, and our ships will be damaged. But people will get to the other side. One story that my friend Rory Dyer shared with me this last week happened in Armenia. An earthquake hit a town, and 70 buildings were standing before the earthquake, and only six afterwards. And a father drove into town, dropped his little boy off at school, was driving out of town, and in the rearview mirror saw the road doing this and saw the buildings coming down. And everything inside of him started shaking and he ran back into the town. He drove back, he got there and he realized the school was down. So he started throwing the bricks out, throwing the bricks out. And people were coming to him, there's no hope. He says, I have hope. And he started throwing the bricks away. And he, as he went one hour, two hour, nothing happened. And in Armenia, it got to minus 10 degrees and they're coming to him. You're going to die doing this. He says, I will not stop. And after 20 hours still digging, 24 hours still digging, 36 hours, he pulls a stone away and realizes he can see a cavity below. So he starts pulling more stones away. And as light begins to shine into this cavity, he sees 10 young faces, little boys from a school, a school coach. And another little boy on the side who starts shouting, I told you, I told you my father would come for me. I told you, I told you. Yeah, it's a story. It's real. It happened on this earth, but it's happened 2,000 years before. As man started hide away in their caves and our hearts become dirty, like the cave underground, become like buildings that are shattered, become like stories that have no hope. In these moments, I want to tell you, my father will come for you. Your father will come for you. You might be sitting in your room full of fear right now. Your business, your health the future of our nation and the nations of this world. I want to tell you, my Father will come for you. And I want to call you to anchor yourself in Him in these times. I want to read Hebrews 6 one more time. We have this hope. Can you say that with me? We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary. Jesus goes behind the curtain where we could never go and He tore that curtain open. Where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Because he went before. Because he left the perfection of heaven where there is no disease, no pain, no brokenness. And he came to earth in the narrowness and the smallness of a woman's womb. And lived a life of 30 years of insignificance. He could die the death we should have died. 
because he lived the life we couldn't live. His grace can come upon us and his blood can come into us and upon us at these times. His blood that is faithful, that is kind. Can you close your eyes with me for a second? If you don't have an anchor that is firm and secure, if everything in your life has been shaken in these times, and I mean everything, maybe you're holding it together on the outside, but inside Everything is shaking. Every time people don't look, you're looking at your share price. You're looking at your stocks. You're looking at your bank account. I want to tell you, you are shaking and your anchor is not secure. And you need an anchor that is secure above storms and waves that will rage. You need to place your hope in Jesus today. Spirit of God, you are with us. Right now, if you haven't made a decision to worship Jesus... I want to ask you to place your anchor upon a bedrock that will not move and will not be shaken. Doesn't matter what storm rages. I want to call on you at this time. Make a decision to worship Jesus. If your heart is shaking, saying, I'm not sure I'm secure. Make a decision now to worship Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And pray this with me. And actually, why don't we all pray it together as we are spread out across Cape Town and this world right now. Jesus. In this moment, we come before you and we declare you are our Lord and Savior. If you're paying this prayer for the first time, say this, I declare Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Thank you that your blood washes away every stain. Thank you that today I am made new. I am reborn in your life and your love forever changed. Not because of fear of a storm, but because I want you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for your love and your grace that you pour down. Thank you, Spirit of God, that right now you come into my heart. Strip away the chains. Bring freedom and life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, just say thank you, Jesus. Now I want to pray for everyone else who's with us today. I want to pray that you would be anchored in Jesus. And I declare today, God, as we worship you, as some are in rooms and some are at home and some are watching from wherever they are on their cell phones, it doesn't matter. The winds can blow, but you are our anchor, firm and secure. Settle hearts, Silence the voice of anxiety, silence the liar of fear, and let us be a people who in these moments stand up, find courage, find faith, and find ourselves anchored in the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you, King. Amen.